Hey, welcome back to Team Builders. One of the many things I love about our industry, beyond just the diversity of people and that real estate's an amazing asset class, I love all the different business models. And today, I've asked Matthew Miller. Last year, he and his partnership, uh, a little over $400 million in volume, $12 million in fees, 596 transactions, doing way more than that this year because we had a little off-camera conversation before we got started. Um, he is one of four partners at fairtraderealestate.com. They're a wholesale investment brokerage. Again, another way to help buyers and to help sellers and to make money in this business. So I'm really excited to explore his model with you today. So Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Tom. Happy to be here. Outstanding. So, so you guys formed this partnership two years ago, four years ago. It just feels like you just came out of nowhere, like this rocket ship in Southern California. Yeah, we'd my founders and co-founders. We formed Fair Trade in July of 2020, but we'd been in the investment space for uh, the core founders for over a decade each. So this had been our core business, and what we do at our core really is we buy homes to sell to investors. Yes. Yes. So that's it at, at its simplest form. We're, we're not listing agents. We don't represent buyers in the traditional sense, but we're home buyers and we sell those houses to real estate investors here in SoCal. So how big is that, is that addressable market? Like we, you know, we talk in team like TAM, right? Like how big is the TAM for someone like you? And could this be a nationwide business? I know there's lots of other companies that do this. And I'd be curious, do you know how big that market is? The, the segment of the market that you operate in? I have a good idea. So I think the TAM is really tied to, we deal in existing home sales primarily. Mm -hmm. Most of the investors that we sell properties to are flipping or adding ADUs or doing a small level development. So yeah. it's the total existing home market. And then it's also a segment of that that's aged enough for it to make sense for them to need to sell for cash. Yes. I think markets like Phoenix and Vegas that saw a lot of iBuyer involvement are probably the ones you look at to understand where where can you really get in a given market for cash purchases? And I think depending on the market you're in, it's probably somewhere in the between six and 9% of yes. the existing SFR home sales. But that could also change. It seems like consumer behavior has changed a little bit also where a lot more people are open to selling the property directly through alternative means pushed right. by open door and offer pad. And, uh, I can't see it going much higher than 10, but I'm constantly surprised at well, how even fast. At, yeah, even is. at 10, that's that's an enormous amount of transactions. Do you find that this uh, this business model works better in sand states or does it work in every state? And then, you know, if you have optics on Canada, we get, you know, we have friends from listening from all over the world to this podcast. So somebody in Australia right now is going, does this apply to me? Well, I'd say that... Probably I've experienced in kind of the Sun Belt. I worked in Texas. I've worked mm -hmm. in Southern California. I've seen the model scale all over the US with a ton of success. I think areas that have a huge seasonality in construction, there's some challenges as well as areas that are, you know, row housing or different types of products besides the detached single family home or a condo. Yeah. I think you might run into some issues where there's just not as big of a buyer pool. Interesting. Interesting. So, so what I would love is to unpack the model and maybe, maybe let's start with like the funnel as an example. So, you know, everybody wants more listings. You guys are attracting listings. You're just attracting them for, to acquire 
to maybe fix up or sell or just to directly sell to another investor. Walk us through the the marketing that's working, the follow-up that's working, you know, maybe a little insight on what happens at the appointment because you guys are showing up as a traditional real estate agent, you're showing up as an investor. Help us understand some of the the sausage making, if you will. Sure, I'm happy to. So I think to start out, um, understanding how the model works within our brokerage. So we have a an acquisition team. Those are more seasoned agents. They each work under a dynamic team leader. And those acquisition agents are buying the homes for the organization. And then we have a sales team. And those sales team do investor relations and sell the company's inventory. Now, this takes place off market. We run sort of a private secondary market. And those sales happen specifically to real estate investors that are using cash, hard money, or line of credit to purchase. Got it. So no agency represent, representation whatsoever. So it's just a, it's a B2B sale. Yes. We're a business purchasing a home from a seller, whether that's through a real estate agent, through another wholesaler or directly from them. And then we're the actual seller in the back end for the investor repositioning. And we don't hold them long-term. We don't do any work to the properties, but we provide them with clear title and sell them to these investors who are doing the renovation, doing the additions or holding them long-term. Got it. Got it. So understanding, that's cool. So you got the acquisition team, they're out buying the houses. How are they getting to the house? How are they getting, like, what's the marketing that works for this, the follow-up strategy that works for this, the offer that, you know, makes sense to the seller? Yeah. So we buy from pretty much every conceivable source. So whether that's Mm -hmm. us doing direct marketing through all the online channels directly to sellers, we work with a lot of real estate agents. We still buy from the MLS directly through Mm -hmm. listed properties. And a lot of agents and brokers will bring us opportunities where the seller either doesn't want to go to market or they may not even have a listing agreement. But they say, hey, I know this investor. I've worked with them before. They buy a ton of properties. I can bring you you an offer from them. And whether the seller pays the commission or we agree to agree to pay it, the agent's able to uh, bring a great offer to somebody and we're able to connect with the motivated home buyer. We see a lot of those sellers right now being properties that were inherited or folks that are downsizing and moving out of state. That's probably the primary source of the inventory that we're seeing come through that's physically distressed. Talk, okay, talk more about that. So you're seeing the addressable market is people that are leaving the state. Is there any lag or any leading indicator that you found other than the actual raise of their hand saying, I'm interested, whether it's from an agent or another lead source or an online portal? Have you guys found any other sort of indicators of that? The inherited properties is definitely one too. So those actually tend to be vacant. So a lot Mm -hmm. of probate deals. Um, The relocations tends to be a big one. Most of those folks are retirees or they don't want to manage a rental portfolio. Maybe they've they own two or three properties and they just got a tenant out and they don't want to be a landlord in California for whatever reason, or it's just time for their financial plan to reposition to something different. Most, most of the houses are in a state where they, ha- they need enough repairs that it's unlikely they'd qualify for conventional. And a lot of times that just transparency of just the cash as is offer is something that brings a lot of value to the seller or through the agent. They want to make it an easy transaction on them too. Right. I mean, is this, is, have you guys just sort of put on steroids in a localized market, the old, we buy ugly houses, you know, yellow signs. I mean, I still see them. I see them in Texas. I see them in California. I pretty much see them in every, you know, once you get off the highway, you kind of see them everywhere. 
so those that's the Homevestors franchise. I think they have a really right. incredible franchise to right. uh, get people into the business early. I think what's different with us specifically is that we're the actual buyer. So we're going to close and take title. Right now, we're purchasing about $32 million in properties a month mm-hmm. in SoCal. And it just creates a different interaction for the seller or the real estate agent or the wholesaler that brings us the property when we're the people that are going on title. They'll deal with one of my acquisition agents and we delegate down. So we give a lot of trust to these folks sitting in the acquisition seat and they're able to manage the transaction all the way through the successful close. And I think that really that consumer experience is what sort of differentiates us and sets us apart than some of the other organizations where their plan is to either assign the contract or there's multiple handoffs between the time the seller raises their hand and say, Hey, I'm, I'm interested in just an easy route, the easy button to sell the house. Right. What can I do? And at that point, a fair trade agent's going to be able to actually be involved with them through the entire closing. And it'll be the same person that does the appointment. Got it. So that, and that's the, the acquisition team. So what does their follow-up look like? I mean, let me restate the question. How often does somebody say, Hey, we got referred to you. Yep. This is the only way we're going to go. Let's sign the deal versus we need to talk about it. We're not sure. We haven't been out there. We haven't been to California in a while. You know, I live in Boise, Idaho now. It's my parents' house. It was an investment property. Like, like give us some sense of like, is it immediate or is there a lot of follow-up? I'd say maybe only 10% is immediate yeah. where they're completely aligned on the sale. They know they want to go this route. They've looked at all of their avenues. And then the other folks are shopping all their different options. Yeah. Whether that's listing on the open market, going with potentially a different investor, renovating the house themselves, yeah. having a family member buy it from them or buy them out. So all those complex situations, I think all agents deal with frequently with sellers that are trying to pick which direction to go. For us, the follow-up is just as frequent as we can make it without, you know, pushing them too far in one direction. I'd, I'd say the most time the lead conversion is probably about 30 days yes. from the time someone raises their hand and says, hey, we're interested in getting an offer from Fairtrade to when they actually decide, hey, I'm okay going into escrow. This does make sense for me. This is real clear and I understand the value add. Got it, got it. So yeah, I kind of assumed that, but I wanted the, I wanted the listener to hear, don't, don't just expect every one of these people are ready to go right now, like everything else. It actually leads nicely into my next question, which is it's a competitive environment. So how do you how do you and your and your partners in this monster team you built, how do you remain competitive in this environment with anxiety and stress and high interest rates and oh my goodness, like is this a better market for you or is it a a more tightening of the screws market for you? I think for us we have a lot of advantages with being sort of a market maker. We get a lot of direct feedback from the investor appetite based on what's coming back from our sales team. And it allows us to adjust our offers in in real time to sellers to be in line with what an acceptable, profitable offer is going to be given the risk, whether that's interest rates, any type of uncertainty, um, scope of work or zoning regulations. We've had a lot of changes in Airbnb laws in SoCal recently. So investors are constantly pivoting, but we have a lot of insight into what's going on because of the sales team that we have and the marketplace that we have. So for us, I'd say anytime there's market uncertainty and maybe less conventional buyers come into the table, we probably are in a place to grow and thrive and provide more value because sellers still need to sell. We have that existing segment of what 5 million transactions that are gonna happen. 
Yes. For all the reasons that we know. And I think that that's where we can really step in. And a lot of the other bigger players have uh, pulled back or really pivoted on their margins or model. So whereas before, I know Fendora OfferPad is paying not quite retail, but close enough to it to where we couldn't be competitive with it. Now we're in a really good position to provide a almost apples to apples offer. And we give a net offer to the seller right up front, which is nice. There's no additional fees. There's no big changes in escrow where the seller can go into us and feel really confident that, hey, I can close or I can move forward with this replacement property I've already bought in Boise. Yeah. And you know, this transaction is going to be smooth. I'll trade some of that, you know, certainty and simplicity for some of the equity that I might have got listing and selling on the open market. So it sounds like it's a mostly convenience offer, right? The people that are saying yes, is that an accurate statement? You're looking for that, again, you mentioned probate, inherited properties, older investment properties, too much of a pain in the butt, I don't wanna do it, just wanna get my money out and call it a day. Yeah, I think, I think anytime an investor's coming in to buy, that is a convenience factor because most of the time the owner occupant is going to pay the most, yes. but property also needs to be updated, especially in today's market. Right. It has to be in great condition and have all the features people want. If they're walking in at a time of this show, 7% interest rate, they're right. going to expect more. And, you know, even in SoCal with limited inventory, there's still been a pivot in the consumer demand from the owner occupant home buyer yes. where they have high expectations. And if you don't have that, and you don't have the bandwidth to manage a construction crew or pick the right materials, it's going to be really challenging to get the top of the market number. So they decide to you know, sell to us, whether that's directly or again, we buy a ton of stuff through agents. We're brokers and agents ourselves. Yes. So we like working with other agents. And a lot of times the agents will know that there's some life event that triggered during this listing and they need to sell now and they haven't gotten the action on the market. So They'll reach out to us and you know we'll engage with them and hopefully we can bring forward an offer that they're happy with and leads to a successful closing i think it's just fascinating how many alternatives someone has today do you know what i mean you guys knock easy knock iBuyer, agent direct you know put it on the public list you know mls listing there's just it's just it's fascinating and yet we're yet to see any one thing take more than, you know, like the FISBO market at its peak was like eight or 9%, right? And I don't know what that most recent stat is. So if you're watching this or you're listening, you know, please put, leave it in the comments because I don't know. But I'm guessing it's pretty significantly small. Now, it may, it may come back in this new environment. Who knows? Because maybe people are penny pinching a little bit more and trying to be mind, mindful of their margins. But then I see you guys and Easy Knock and all these other companies. And I think there's just always going to be a play for convenience, right? Always going to be a marketing strategy built on convenience. Okay, let's go a different direction. As sure. the market continues to pivot, how are you and your partners adjusting? I mean, it sounds like marketing might adjust, margins certainly for acquisition is gonna adjust. What other adjustments are you guys paying attention to? Those are probably the two biggest outside of just leadership development. Mm -hmm. We've sort of realized over the course of this last year that us investing in our uh, co-founders, team yep. leads, yep. Yep. leadership is probably the biggest investment we can we can make. Our agents are our number one customer as yes. far as trade goes. We still yes. serve sellers and investors, but the agents are our number one customer. And 
Um, when we did our review of 2021, the biggest impact from the team lead said was the coaching that they got. We do coaching with coach Andy Nazaroff. Yeah. That coaching impact he had over last year was the most mentioned major impact move that we made as an organization. So I think knowing that we're going to continue to coach and mentor and grow our leadership team and know that that's going to mean them coaching their agents better. I think that's going to have a big impact, even as we're pivoting through what's going to be a challenging market the next year plus. Right. It's uh, it's so interesting. I was, we do a, every other Friday session with our teams and I'm, you know, there's lots of training and things always happening inside the organization. We're like, but I'm personally getting involved. I'm going to do a goal setting workshop. We're going to do, let's talk about your money. And I, I think you and I are aligned. Like anytime we, we just pour ourselves back into help the people around us get better. Right. That's just, that's a winning strategy in every market. So let, let's talk specifically, um, what are you doing with your management team? Like, give us an example of something that you've done with the management team. Obviously, you said Andy's been a major impact player, so a legendary coach in our in our community. What have you found specifically with the management team or your sales team or your admin team that has just given them the lift or created more certainty, helped them improve professionally? So I think the week the weekly coaching calls have been big. We do quarterly books. Um just getting together and masterminding on some of the big challenges where we're yes. able to pivot our weekly trainings. We do trainings every Wednesday with the agents and it yeah. tends to be um, very aligned with the deficiencies, especially we Q3 was a huge focus on fundamental sales skills for our team, yes. for our organization, because as the market pivoted, we were exposed like a lot of other people in the industry for not having really strong fundamentals and scale in sales. Mm -hmm. And at our core, we're a B2B sales organization. So we have to get better constantly. Yes. So it's reading, it's podcasts, it's being in front of the agents, setting up morning routines, just sort of doing everything and doing, doing more of it. And our, our leadership, our team leads are phenomenal. They are yeah. out there in the trenches with their team in the pit, you know, making phone calls, still putting deals together, still actively involved in transactions. So I think that when someone comes on and realizes that the leader that they're working under is not only has done every job in the organization that they're asking them to do, but can show them the way it really has an impact, especially when things are uncertain. I agree. I agree hundred percent. So, so Matt, rapid fire, some questions. What does success look like for you guys as a, as an executive team? What does success look like? Success to us looks like our our biggest goal in the next three years is to be the largest private home buyer in California. I like so that. That means a ton of leadership development with our current agents into team lead positions and market expansion. Not just SoCal, which we're operating in completely, but up to Northern California into the higher density metros up there. And then long term, you know, we have ambitions to be the largest home buyer in the nation. There's a lot of competition up there, but you're not scared of it. So that's, that's the long-term vision. So, so knowing some of those players and many of them are these, just these monster funds that only buy on yield and, Hey, we're going to hold this for five, five years, seven years, 10 years, or infinite, do a REIT, et cetera. Where are you guys raising capital from? Where's the money come from? It's just the four of you and your, in your savings accounts. Yeah, we were privately funded at the start and we have a line of credit and yeah, we went all in with our own money and 
Um, I think maybe that's why the business uh, succeeded because, you know, you burn the boats and you go all in on something, you're going to make sure it works. 100%. And I think once we keep scaling and growing, you know, we have to be adaptable in the C-suite, in the leadership roles to different opportunities, whether that is, you know, outside funds coming in to help acquire properties. Maybe there's a hold strategy. I'm not quite sure, but I can tell you that if you're controlling the inventory in any market, you're in a very good position to have flexibility to be able to grow and achieve all the things you're looking to do. You know, you're speaking my love language right now. If you're taking all the listings and you're controlling the inventory, right? You, you've got options. You've got options. Okay. How do you and your four partners make, uh, your three partners, excuse me, the four of you, how do you make it work? We are about as different as any three partners could possibly be, Tom. But I think that's, I think that's a lot of our strength mm -hmm. in how different we are personally and on the disc assessment. Um, we also get balanced out by a bunch of our co-founders and team leads. We've got a lot of young, really talented agents that are very opinionated. They're in the field doing the work. And that also puts us in check and gives us a real pulse on what's going on in the market with our customers, right? With our agents, yes. both agents buying for us and selling from us. So I think just with the partnership, knowing that it's a ride and you go into it similar to a marriage, right? It's a commitment yeah. and you're going to get through every good time and hard time together and, you know, grow from it. And that's yeah. been one of the most rewarding things I think is honestly yeah. growing with my, my partners and co-founders and growing up all these team leads just over this short couple of years um, and seeing them all develop. I mean, that's probably one of the things that's more rewarding than any other metric that we would achieve is like how many leaders are going to be able to grow right. a fair in the next 10 years. Right. Uh, it really, I mean, when you look at your success, and, you know, we've got to hang out together more and more in these like small intimate masterminds with each other, like mega rock star team leaders. Um, I'm always inspired by when I see that, you know, the three of you guys together working and then you, then you divide and okay, I'm going to go learn over here. You go learn over there. And then you guys come back and the communication just seems like it's just really tight. How did you get to that? Cause you know, I mean, you, we see other teams, husband and wives, business partners, you know, two husband and wife teams together someone's always pissing somebody off. Somebody's always the contrarian that goes, you know, everyone's going, we're going left. And they're like, no, we got to go right. You guys have seemed to figure it out, especially with your growth of the last two years. Well, we've known each other for a really long time. So, oh, we've been friends, all been friends for well over a decade and working together for that same amount of time too, before starting fair trade. And one of my co-founders who my, who's my mentor in real estate, Deke Bake, we've known each other since high school. Right. Right. So some of those past being able to work with some of your best friends, mm -hmm. and I feel the same way about the team leads. These are people I love being around. Yeah. It makes all the challenges, uh, you know, sort of small in the long term because you're just solving problems with people you really like. Yeah. Yeah. There, there it is right there. There it is. All right. So I'm going to ask one last question, but it's a big question. So someone's okay. listening right now and they're like, Okay, wait a minute. These guys started this in 2020. They built this monster machine. They're going to sell how many how many homes will you guys buy and sell this year? What are you pacing for? We're probably pacing for around 650. Okay. We're 650 
650 purchases and 650 sales. Yeah. So call it 1300 transactions, which based upon the numbers, that sounds like somewhere around $20 million in, in fees, right? That's a, that's a big business in a short period of time. So you definitely have someone's attention right now. So you ready, Matt? Here's the, here's the question. Somebody wants to do what you built. What are their first five moves? The first five moves I'd say first is you cannot do it alone. And if you want to build it, so you've got to get the right partners. I think you have to go in early and plan on not being in production. That's something that I just got out of production out of 10 years in the business, um, forced out of production by my two partners, Sod and Deke. And it was the best thing that ever happened. It was January yeah. of this year. So uh, find the right partnerships, plan on not being in production, um, get the right value add for your core customer. And I think that core customer is almost always going to be the people that are working for you. And then figuring out the value add for the other people that you're serving, whether that's sellers and investors or relationships you're building with other agents or third-party vendors like Homelight. Mm -hmm. And then be prepared to put in the hours and execute and work really, really hard. Yeah. So those Is there a, that, that was, that was pretty good in five. That was pretty good. Start. I mean, starting with build the right partnership and don't put yourself in the sales seat in the very beginning which is going to be really hard for someone listening. They're like, but I'm really good with clients. And Tom, I have a good, like a quick story about that, that I want Tell to share. Me. So this shined a spotlight on the reason I should get out of production. My last transaction, I'd already committed to getting out. Yeah. Again, Sod and Deke dragging me out of the production seat saying, we need you in the leadership role. And I was working on my last escrow. Sellers didn't have the tenants vacate on time. Every headache you can imagine, liens yeah. popping up, all this stuff we have to deal with when they're requiring these distressed properties. And a vendor referral lead from a national vendor that I cultivated and brought in as a source that we're buying from, we closed an escrow with them that was eight and a half times the revenue we were making on that one transaction I was deep in the weeds on. Yeah. And it just painted the picture like, I need to be doing B2B business development, bringing in more opportunities for our agents and getting the heck out of the, out of this day to day. Yeah. And that, that was just, that's a perfect example. And it happened multiple times uh, during that year, but that really hit it home that like, this is the year you need to step into thinking bigger and yeah. thinking how to grow this so your team can continue to win and succeed. Yeah. We talk about it so much. Like what was that iconic moment, right? That shifted, that made you realize and that was clearly it for you. That was you it. Know, I'm I'm slugging out in the weeds on this deal, thinking no one can do it better than me, which we both know always someone can versus the easy eight times the revenue. Oh man, I got to do more of those. Well, this has been, Matt, this has been super great. Uh, as we record this, I'm going to see you just in a few days in San Diego. Um, you're going to be sharing with a lot of our best teams around the world how to do what you do. I just want to thank you. Thank you for your knowledge, your insight for the partnership you guys have built and how much you contribute back to our ecosystem. So if somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way if they're like, I just got a burning question. Do they go to your website? Do they hit you up on Instagram? What's the best way for them to connect with you? 
I'd say probably just on our on our website, fairtraderealestate.com, or they'd probably just hit me up on LinkedIn. They'll probably get the fastest response. So it's cool. Matt at FTREca.com. And yeah, I'd love to answer any questions. I'm really looking forward to San Diego and the ecosystem has been great for us too, Tom. We keep learning. Big shout out to Coach Andy. He continues to have an impact. So yeah. love it. Love it. Well, give us your uh, your LinkedIn profile one more time, a little slower. Oh boy. He's like, wait, maybe I should pull it up. <laughs> I just want to make sure someone's going to have questions. So it's fair trade real estate, F A I R trade real estate.com. But if they want to get you, Matt, directly on LinkedIn. Yeah. And I'll send, uh, I'll send the link over after the show. I, I'm one of probably 800 Matt Millers in real estate. So I was saying the same thing. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, we'll link it up. Matt, thank you so much. I'll see you in a couple of days in San Diego. And for you, my friend, listening or watching, however you're consuming this, thank you so much for being in my community. Uh, make sure you hit the you know like, subscribe, notification, all that fun stuff to always get this easy access uh, to the content you want to keep moving your business forward. I'll look forward to seeing the comments and I'll see you soon. Take care.